time to go 8-bit. It's This Game Wear podcast with me, Chris, and over there... Me, Ashley. Hello, everybody. We're going 8-bit. It sounds... We're going 8-bit. They, it sounds, they've made that show. Yeah, but... Do you know why they called it that? No. It's because it sounds like Go Ape Shit. And, Is that and, why? Yeah, and they tried to make it a, a pun to do with games, and uh, Ellie... Um, Gibson. Gibson, thank you. Ellie Gibson said after the series stopped that she uh, wasn't happy that they tried to put that pun in because it just it didn't work on any level at all, other than the fact it Who vaguely it? Um, alluded to the fact it's about games. I don't know. I don't know. Right. Okay. I, if it was production, yeah. Yeah, let's Not blame great. them. I bought, I think it's called Press Reset, the book oh. that Steve McNeil wrote and i believe daro brains in it in some fashion okay maybe he did it like a forward i'm not sure is it good i haven't started it yet. Haven't I started started this it. Week. right also i'm not doing good at reading you're not doing good at reading no lapsed i love i love books i, st- I want to read but but i'm doing really bad at reading so has been sapping your time no it's not that i've been the the last year or so i've just been really not good at knuckling down and finishing books that's no good it's really bad isn't it mm. i've got a fly buzzing around in here it's annoying oh, great. me great michael pick that up uh it's not a fly fly it's like a little mothy type thing they don't make a noise do they yeah they do and that michael picked that up oh well, like, let me oi, where's the light where's the light oi mate where's the light tell me there where the go. light is it's over there now right do you want to know what game we're doing this week that's, that's the noise that moths make just yeah. You just seem to ignore like that. You sound like the moth from uh, A Bug's Life. Go into the light. I can't help it. It's so beautiful. Remember that bit? Yeah. Someone's made that joke. That's what you're saying. I think they've so, done a yeah. better job of it. If I see what you God, infer from that. God damn it. I have been playing Zelda uh, this week. Yeah. And I think last week, although time has ceased to matter, I didn't mean anything outside Re- of Hyrule. So. Recall. That's why time Ooh. ceased to matter. Yeah. Well, I guess, yeah. I thought you were showing your uh, Zelda chops, and that means no. very little. Yeah, because your, your chops the misfortune. are much bigger than my chops when it comes to Zelda. Oh, I wasn't... I wasn't... You weren't out I wasn't me. comparing chops. I wasn't trying to <laughs> pop our chops on the table. <laughs> I was... Gruesome. I was referring to the notion that last time you played a Zelda game, being Breath of the Wild, your daughter was much younger and couldn't really play games properly and you had to play the game and that was a great hardship and now she's old enough to play her own game and it means that you don't get a look in on the game yeah she loves it so i don't get a look yeah. at all and when i do get a look in she has a bit of salt because she wants to be playing it instead of me yeah Parenting. so i feel for you it's it's the it's the sacrifice we make it you, is. you've done this to yourself and it was a it was the right thing to do yeah thanks thanks you're welcome right um, this week it's really good Oh, God, you want to talk about the game. You told me it's a big one already. Yeah, sorry. Well, I want to talk about Zelda. Well, well, this week, it's this game where you journey over a vast map. It's received widespread critical acclaim, and it's a new release in a long-running RPG series. If you're talking about Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, it's not an RPG. Right. Action RPG? I would guess that you're talking about Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Would you indeed? Do you really want to talk about this game, given that you know what I've just said? That you have you've you've played Nari an hour. Is that enough? 
I've got you. Hook, line, and sinker. Pachar. Oh, you. I led you. I led you down a garden path and you fell Good. for it. Sucker. Good. I'm so glad because I was a bit worried. <laughs> Absolutely. You'd got sucker. Tears of the Kingdom on your half hour's experience. <laughs> no. But it's not, okay. So it's not Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, but it is a game where you journey over a vast map that received widespread critical acclaim and it is a new release in a long running RPG series. It's a new release. Sort of. Is it? Is it a tactical? No. No. Okay. Okay. You, you're just gonna have to tell me. It's Final Fantasy VI. Right. Okay. It's a new release. You mean these pixel remasters? That's the one. Okay, where have you been playing the Pixel Remaster of Final Fantasy VI? I haven't. I'm just aware that it's uh, it's in the ether at the moment. Oh, okay. So, so you played um, Final Fantasy VI in the olden days? I did. I played Final Fantasy VI the olden days, and I th- olden days, olden days, and I thought, well, it's uh, well, we've got Final Fantasy sixteen coming out next month, although probably this month by the time this episode comes out, and the Pixel Remaster is released on the Switch in April of this year. Although they've been kicking around on Steam for a while as well, so I thought Final Fantasy shit Steam. What? Nothing. So I thought it seemed like a good time to do Final Fantasy VI. Yeah, Final Fantasy VI is great. So I wasn't sure if you played it or not, but you just said it's great, so presumably you have. Yeah, I have. Yeah. Yeah? Final it's great. Fantasy VI is great, yeah. Um, it's one of the only PlayStation 1 games I owned. It's yes. physically owned. Well, therein lies a tale for me, for my personal recollection. Hold my hands. Is my I, copy of it your copy I take of it? you did down. We, did we own the same copy? I don't think so. No, I definitely okay. didn't. That would have been a story. Because I, I didn't know you then. So Final Fantasy VI is an RPG that released on the SNES in April 1994, but I played it on the PlayStation because it got re-released on the PlayStation. Now, according to the internet, it released on the PlayStation in 1999, and I categorically know it came out on the PlayStation in March 2002. So I googled that, and some places say it came out in 1999, some places say it came out in March 2002. Now, I don't know if that's maybe different territories. I know categorically it came out in the UK in March 2002, because I had a friend who was a fan of Fancy Buff like I was, and he played it a lot on the SNES, and he was really excited for it coming out. And uh, it, was, it was in March 2002 that it came out. He bought a copy. I also bought a copy. I know it was March 2002 because it was someone I was very close with at that time. And I also know it was March 2002 because I remember, um, and this will date it, I remember listening to The Hives a lot while playing Final Fantasy VI. And they, they were all raging March 2002 or early 2002. They're all over the yeah. place, The Hives. Okay. Um, that's, I mean, that that is interesting in, in so much as it charts your confusion. Um who, who is it that's saying 1999? A couple of websites. Who are you disagreeing with? A couple of websites. A couple of so. websites. Yeah, all, a couple of websites. All okay. the websites. All the internet. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, but he, he was really excited for it coming out, and he was he was counting down the days until it came out on the PlayStation. He'd pre-ordered it off the internet, and it, it arrived at the post office, and he had to go for a walk to the post office on uh, a lunch break during, I think during like a GCSE revision or something, and he had to go and get it from there. I remember that very clearly. Right, okay. It released March twenty fifth, nineteen ninety nine in Japan. Right. Uh, February twenty seventh, two thousand and two in France, and then March first, two thousand and two, um, UK, Australia. There we uh, go. Germany. So maybe it's the the fact it released what two two years earlier on the, in Japan, strangely, and then yeah, 
it's not all that strange. Really. It's not all that strange because Final Fantasy prior to sort of Final Fantasy seven, they were big games. They mm. were important games, but there was like a, there's always been this weird divide with RPGs, certainly Japanese RPGs, where the West kind of has to work their socks off to to get a looking on them. Yeah. And that persists even now. We've got games that still haven't left Japan. We've got, the, the you know, like the uh, Nintendo Online service. There's been games that released that that have never left Japan. And certainly for the SNES era of Japanese RPGs, there is a whole slew that have still never uh, found their way out of the country. Is it Mother so, that's the famous one that never got a translation? Mother 3. I think it was Mother 3. Yeah. I, I, think, I so. think it was Mother 3. Yeah. Um, but there's things like uh, Terra Enigma. Final Fantasy 6 is, is the one that isn't really Final Fantasy 6, but also is really Final Fantasy 6. Yeah, it was called Final so, Fantasy 3 in America In America. Only, because in yeah. America, I, I looked into that because I, I knew that was a fact, but I didn't really know the ins and outs of it. So yeah. in America, only number 1 and number 4 had been released at that point. Number 1, obviously, yeah. which is Final Fantasy standard. And then Final Fantasy 4 got renamed Final Fantasy 2 for America. And then Final yep. Fantasy 6 got then renamed as Final Fantasy 3 in America. I assume Final Fantasy 7 was then just 7. In America, well, final yes, it was yeah. So that that's the that's where they sort of corrected the the ship. Uh, yeah, sort of. The whole the whole notion of sort of trying to stage your releases like that is is the odd part. I think the fact that they carved out Final Fantasy um, two, four, and five and didn't send them off to mm. to passages new. Um, that's the strange bit. They they were sort of going, ah, oh, nah, the Americans won't like this or, or whatever, or the Western world won't like this, so we won't release it. And then the notion, again, of of renaming them to, to sort of create some kind of um, n- numbering system bespoke for, for non-Japanese audiences, that's, and again, the weird part. Um, yeah, it, it's, it speaks, though, of what I was saying, like the, the fact that these games weren't all just being sent across the sea mm-hmm. um, kind of speaks to this three year delay between the Japanese re-release on PlayStation and the re-release the of, of yeah. Final Fantasy um, six on the PlayStation in the UK and, and other Western territories. Um, I do also wonder what the timeline of releases looked like for Final Fantasy seven, eight, nine. Well, because interfering with those might've been a, an issue for well, I I got this because I would I'd started with Final Fantasy seven and then I played eight and nine upon release. So I said uh, seven I got a bit after it came out in Platinum and then eight I got I think when it came out, which would have been uh, Christmas ninety eight I got that one. And then Final Fantasy Nine was one of the first games, if not maybe the first game I bought myself. I bought um and this this mm. this uh this uh, is sort of a, a prescient for, for for Chris gaming Chris of the future. Uh, back when it came out in early 2001, I bought the game and the Brady Games Strategy Guide together at the same time. Yeah, I mean that brings up uh, an anecdote from yesterday where uh, that you told me about about Legend of Zelda. I'm going to shoehorn some in. Go for it. Is um, you you told me about uh, your daughter was playing Tears of the Kingdom and she was struggling with something or perhaps you were playing it and you were struggling with something and um 
you were like, shall I look it up for you on the internet? And and she said, you always do that. Why don't you just try some more? Mocked me. Yeah. Um, and that that sort of was a bit of a revelation for you, wasn't it? Like, it was. Huh, interesting. I yeah, <clears throat> I think it it's interesting for lots of reasons, but I just like the notion that she's uh, mocking you already. Yeah. Well, so six came out, and I was already very familiar with Final Fantasy. And um, yeah, going back to your point, then it's about the, the delayed. Maybe they're sort of trying to get seven eighty nine out out the starting blocks to then re release uh, to then re release uh, six possibly. Possibly speculative. Oh, I am not ab- certain of that at all. Absolutely. Um, it did mean that when I started playing Final Fantasy VI, I was very familiar with the, the mechanics because it is, to one intents purposes, it is a, it's a Final Fantasy game. That all the the core gameplay, the design, everything about it is is what then reappeared in seven, eight, and nine. So you've got the summons, you've got an overview map with towns, dungeons. There's random turn based battles. Yeah, the side quests. You level up as you play through the the different battles. So having cut my teeth. On um, seven, eight, and nine, I was pretty okay with with it going into six, and very mm. excited when it when it came out as well. Um, so, it's a game I have played, but obviously not on on the SNES uh, back in when it first released. And I'm guessing you're in a sort of similar situation as well that you played it. You said play on PlayStation, not the SNES. I didn't play it on the PlayStation. I owned it on the PlayStation, and it was after the fact. I think I got that copy in about 2005. Okay. Um, and I also didn't own a PlayStation, so. Why did there you we get go. A copy um, of it. Then? M- my older brother had a, a PlayStation and he had things like FIFA and so on, but he also had uh, Final Fantasy VI and a game called Martian Gothic, which I have still not played, and I believe I still own it. I think it's upstairs. Um, but he didn't have any interest in those two games and just gave me them. Oh, so yeah. So he then played nice. it on his PlayStation. No, I didn't play it. <laughs> I'd played it at that point. What what I did was play it on a not SNES, um, otherwise known as ZSNES, which is um, an emulator. And that was I the first see. time that I played it. Um, and yeah, I mean, that is actually where my my experience with the SNES and and I guess also maybe the NES, the Mega Drive, the Mass System, my experiences with, with those consoles um, are sort of split into two eras. One is where I initially owned those consoles when i was younger and had quite a selected um library of games for reasons of of finance uh being you know like a five to ten year old and then um later sort of around probably about 2000 or 2001 we got a pc and one of the first things that i found out after we connected it to the internet was that you had this thing called zedsness my uh, my friend pointed me in that direction and um, yeah, the floodgates opened and I played all kinds of amazing games and learned quite a lot about how, not how games work, but like the variety of, of games and um, how how sort of, uh, I don't really know, I don't really know. Basically, I pissed around on the internet in lots of different ways and found out lots of technical stuff that helped me to um, broaden out my understanding of how computers work. And part of it was messing around with um, emulators and such. Including playing Final Fantasy VI. Including playing Final Fantasy VI. Right. And uh, all the other Final Fantasies as well. Um, I personally don't really like the NES version versions of Final Fantasy, but I think I probably came to them too late and had spoiled myself with the other Final Fantasies. Well, this is the... Oldest, this one's good. 
this is the earliest I go with Final Fantasy. I didn't play mm. 1, 2, 3, 4, or 5, and haven't done since. I've played other ones afterwards. 10, 10, 2. Uh, and that's yep. it, actually. I didn't play any after that, thinking about it. Oh, wow. Okay. Cool. I think I've played... Uh, I've played everything that's not online, Final Fantasy-wise, and that includes the Game Boy stuff. Um, right, and actually, okay. that I've realised is a lie, because they've broadened out um in in a few different ways and i haven't played say all of the crystal chronicles games but i did play final fantasy crystal chronicles on the gamecube and i also played um my life as a something or other on the wii it was one of the first it was a crystal chronicles game i think that was maybe it was called the crystal bearers i can't remember this is the point that all of these side projects, I haven't necessarily played them. And even if I played them or owned them, I haven't necessarily delved into them because I didn't like them. Crystal Chronicles being one. I think the Crystal Bearers maybe was on the DS or 3DS. Right. Um, and then there was one on the Wii that I owned that um, was one of the first Wii. What's it called? Wii Shop. Whatever's. Wait. Like it was originally released on the Wii Shop. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was a brand new thing. Was called. There were two of them. My life as a dark wizard and my life is a nice wizard or something yeah probably what they're called uh yeah so final fantasy six um my memories of it because uh, well okay so i'm gonna sort of uh, say this before we start talking about the game itself um i really 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 enjoy playing this game and then i got about halfway through and i just stopped playing it and i've been trying to work out why that was what it was that meant i stopped playing it. and the thing i think happened was about September 2002, I got a PlayStation 2. So I think getting that then meant I moved on to different games on a different console. I know you could play PlayStation 1 games on PlayStation 2, mm. but I think I was enjoying the the, the new catalogue that was then open to me. So I think as a yeah. result of that, I've only actually played half of this game. I really enjoyed the half of the game I played. And mm. so, yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it might be a similar story for me. I don't think I finished this. I don't think I have finished this. Uh, and part of the reason is uh, there was just, uh, like I said, a glut of games, uh, which is, I guess, similar f- for you, like the new took over. Yeah, and, precisely. Um, I-, I think because I had the new on tap um, in in the form of lots of SNES games that I'd never played, um, it-, it was sort of dipping and dip out, although this did get a lot more time than most mm. games. So probably halfway through is is apt for me as well. So I've jotted down my, my key memories of the game. Well, I, I remember initially finding it quite... Um, it, it, it was difficult to warm to because it was quite... I remember the intro mm. sequence being quite muted and quite quite low-key. And also the, the, the vibe of it is um, you've got Final Fantasy IX. It's like this medieval fantasy-type setting. And this one is almost like Industrial Revolution steampunk almost. And I found it's that steampunk for quite, sure, yeah. quite hard to, to come to, to, to get to grips with. And... Oh. Um, and the plot as well, there's lots of nuance to the plot. I've been reading some reviews of it while making notes for this, and there's some things that I almost certainly wouldn't have picked up on at the age of 16 when I was playing it as well. Mm. But I did, in the end, really warm to it, although I didn't finish it. And so some of my key memories of the game are Kefka, the baddie, who um, was a clown, remember? Yeah, I remember. Yeah, a clown. Who, so he he was a... Uh... <laughs> Thank you for... Thanks for keying me in there. Thank you for teeing me up to say i remember that was yeah you're welcome very south park-esque <laughs> uh so kefka who was uh, the, the clown uh the 
the world um, had this this um, the the world itself was interested in opera and art, and there's, a, there's the sequence where you attend the opera. I don't remember that. I can't remember the ins and outs of it, but there's something about how there's the, you're in an opera house and you're taking part in an opera because I think it's some sort of thing that's happening to distract someone while you're doing something else at the same time. And I remember that whole sequence just being incredible. And a, a lot of the reviews I read about this game uh, specifically, specifically mentioned that bit. Um, mm. There's an octopus called Ultros who pops up a few times to mostly wind up your your party of, of people. But he's also genuinely very funny. I, I remember really enjoying him as a character. Um, I liked exploring the open world itself on the SNES, and they took advantage of the Mode Seven technology. So you had this kind of like almost like a three D map, although yeah. very flat, but you you could sort of see it rolling as you you walked around it or flew over it in the airship. Um, I liked also the fact there were fourteen different playable characters, including there were a couple of secret ones that were were scrolled away somewhere, and the characters were really well developed, and you actually felt like connections with them which i really enjoyed too the, the music is something that is again mentioned in lots of reviews has been a, a particular strength i remember enjoying the music as well mm. um, and also that the style of it obviously it was on the snares but the the artwork the sprite style of it i remember thinking it looks really really nice as well it really does look great and that's the thing that i think has stuck with me um but also maybe the animation i i think you said that they were the characters were really well depicted and one of the things that helped with that was just how much effort was put into animating them in certain mm. moments like it's definitely it's definitely like a, a zany cartoony representation some of the time um and and the stuff that makes an impact but um just in general ev- everything about the way they move and the way they interact with the world is is brilliant also like the uh, the monsters they don't really as far as i recall and i might not be remembering correctly but they they're pretty static in terms of um how they attack like they're not waving their limbs around or anything like that but um i certainly do think that the actual artwork for those monsters is is pretty stunning Mm. in in battle um I also really enjoyed the magic system, which is built around in in the um, in the vein of being sort of a, a steampunk style um, world. It's built around, or some of it is built around. I, I don't know if all of it is built around, but the Magitech system. Yes. So it's mad magic tech. Um, the two things sort of combined, um, and I really liked that notion too. The the opening that you said was muted. They're walking through. The snow to a village to a steam steampunky tech uh, sort of industrial village in these um mechs in these big mechs yes. that are basically like the wrong trousers on steroids <laughs> and um she she i can't remember her name mal Te- is it mal? terror terror sorry mal i think is um is chrono trigger which is another game that i was playing at the same time well terror um, I, I didn't remember the name but when i was looking into these characters because i, I really enjoyed their quote company and um, mm. I, I was looking into them all and, and just reading this list of names oh yeah i remember that one. Oh, i remember yeah it. yeah this is 21 years after i've played this game and i mm. can still remember these characters and remember their motives and what drives them so there's like there's mm. uh, there's lock there's sellies i assume sellies c-e-l-e-s there's umaru who's the like, abominable snowman type character shadow and um, just all these characters just like these mm. memories came came flooding back so that was a, a nice little little trip down memory lane there as well well, yeah, one, just one be things... careful whacking that because that yeah. picks up really bad. If you do that, just stop. Okay. Let it let it settle, and then uh, we'll carry on. Um, I was just going to say about the beginning. Yeah. 
So, um, yeah, so it's Terra, uh, who is being marched through the snow to this village by two soldiers of some kind, and she's been put to sleep, and she's got, like, a, a bracelet, uh, not a bracelet, a necklace on to control her or something. Do you remember something that? Like that? Yeah. Well, I, I did remember, but from looking into it today, yes, that's pretty much what happens. Okay. Interestingly, she's the first female protagonist in the Final Fantasy game as well, so the fact that yeah. she's then the first character you play as is, is quite progressive as well. Yeah. Okay. With the characters as well, one of the anecdotes I found out is the the development team it was just over fifty people, which made this game, and, and also they turned it around in just over a year. The development time mm. between Final Fantasy V coming out and this one coming out was just over a year, and the fact that it is grand in every sense of that word is uh, is really impressive. The fact that they did that in such a, a short space of time, but one of the ideas is that every character is the protagonist. There's not one protagonist; mm. it's that all of them are. <clears throat> and all the development team contributed ideas for the characters and their arcs within the grander plot so in a similar way to Final Fantasy 7 and I only link it to that because I know 7 a lot better I remember there's bits in that like you go to uh, Cosmo Canyon you have, you have the whole thing with Red 13 finding out about their past and you have mm. there's a bit where you find out Kate Sith and what is truly happening with Kate Sith and then you go to oh, I can't remember the name of the village the um, where you find out about Yuffie and her, her past with her is it her father and her history as a ninja? Yuffie? Yuffie in Final Fantasy VII. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. So in in six, they have similar sequences where the plot might advance somewhat, but now you're going to find out a bit about this character, and now this thing's going to happen, and you're going to find out about this character. And that was that was um, something that was one of the key tenets for, for developing number six, mm. was because they wanted to, all these 14 characters, they wanted to all let them have a chance to shine and the fact they managed to do that successfully for 14 characters is is really commendable yeah i i unfortunately am not in a position to be able to uh speak to that because of my you know not having played the whole game no that's fine. situation me neither and um, also one of the um development team the graphics director of the game was tetsuya nomura who then became the co-creator of kingdom hearts so yeah. I didn't realise there was a link between Kingdom Hearts and this game. Obviously, I know, mm. I know Final Fantasy characters are in Kingdom Hearts, but uh, that was quite cool to find out. Yep. Um, in terms of sales figures, by mid-1994, having come out in April 1994, in Japan only, it sold 2.55 million copies just in Japan and became the best-selling game of 1994 in Japan. Didn't fare quite mm. so well in the West. It was the eighth best-selling game of 1994 in America, but still, top 10, still pretty good. That Again, though, picks up on what we were saying earlier in terms of transferability. This is uh, now, in 2023, if you say Final Fantasy, anything, it's a major thing for lots for most people. Most people that are interested in games will know what Final Fantasy is. And Final Fantasy VI is like the grandpa of, or, or grandparent uh, of those games. And, and I mean that in the sense that VI uh, was where you, I think, could be could, could reasonably say um, traction started picking up. Yeah. Um, set seven obviously was the real beginning for it internationally, but um, six is where they started to um, stretch their legs in in storytelling terms, like you said, and that's what led to what we got with Final Fantasy seven, eight, nine, which I think is this run of four games is. Um, is pretty stunning. Mm. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, 
So to to think that it didn't it, it didn't fare too well. I mean, it, it's relative. Yes. Um, but to think that it didn't sell like uh, you know through the roof it is insane. And unsurprisingly, uh, on that note as well, it reviewed superbly, got nines across the board, and it mm. pops up in that list I've mentioned before, the uh, best games of all time on Wikipedia. It pops up on there as well, which uh, I think I probably agree with based on my knowledge of half the game. Yeah, you, so I would argue and have frequently and possibly have said to you, I don't think that playing a game to completion is a necessity to be able to um, say that a is your favorite game or b is a great game that you enjoy or c if i've done that correctly i don't know if i've said c twice now um and i also can't remember what c was going to be but you know like it's just not a it shouldn't be a prerequisite for but being able to speak about a thing it shouldn't cause in I have, fond terms I have or, nothing, or any terms nothing but good memories of this game i'm really looking forward to playing mm. it today um yeah i think that this um i think there is a bit of a hang up in general from people with the notion of finishing things or com- or completing things and yes there's an argument for that in in sort of certainly in rpg terms because of the storyness of them the fact that they're narrative based narrative driven and there is a story to to get to the end of um but also they are tens of hours long and for anyone even a 10 year old or however old 16 year old when i played this you were 16. Okay, yeah. cool. I was, I, yeah, I suppose I was about 12. Um, yeah, just people don't have time all, all the time. And also they maybe don't have the uh, the inclination and that's fine. That's okay. Play till till you're satisfied. Play till that's you're satisfied. What, what a great way what great, great, uh, to finish the first half. Okay, is that the end? Cool. Yeah, that's the end. Finny. It's always so easy to forget how big these games are. Yes. We have not played nearly enough of this. I think that should be the caveat that we lead in to the second half with. We've not played nearly enough of this to give a really thorough um, sort of treatment of of what makes it great. But I still feel like having played this tiny slice, it, it's, it is great. Yeah, it is. It is great. And... Um, I've really enjoyed, I've really, I have really enjoyed my time with it this evening. How about yes. you, Chris? Yeah. It's, it's reminded me of just how much I enjoyed of the game. And also I, I must've got a lot further in the game than I thought. Well, I said, I know it, I got about halfway through. So what happens halfway through is as part of the plot, Kefka, the maniac clown, uh, does a thing and the whole world map changes and, um, there's this big cataclysm, cataclysmic event. Um, and I definitely got to that bit. I think it was because the map changed. I kind of lost my orientation a bit. And that was mm. kind of why I maybe stopped playing it. But between the bit we played today and that happening, as I said in the first half, I can think of so many events and occurrences that happened. So I must have played this a lot. Uh, so it was really nice to revisit today. And I'm just, as you said, sad that I've not been able to enjoy more of the game because the bits I have played is really jolly good. 
Yeah, I've got really vivid memories of, of basically everything that we played in this in the, in this tiny slice, and I think that's partly because I've played the beginning of this game over so many times. Right. Um, I think possibly sometimes with the intention of getting through it because I've never, as I said, I've never actually finished this game. Um, but also maybe sometimes for comfort reasons, because when I was playing this, this was, uh, uh, at least to me, this was like, I think, I can't remember if I said it in the first half, I definitely said it to you maybe while we were off mic, but this was like an age of discovery for me. And more than any time ever before or since maybe, although, you know, being an adult allows you to uh, um, delve deeper than maybe uh, you can as a child um, for financial reasons. Um, more than any other time in my life, I was playing more games uh, and had access to more games than yeah. I've ever had before. And some of them stand out. One of them is this one. Um, so I've definitely returned to it a number of times for for reasons of like comfort. It, it was just a really lovely time in my life. It's the nice and therefore, warm bath of gaming. Yeah, and and so that those opening moments of Final Fantasy VI are sort of ingrained into my brain which were weird not weird is the wrong word uh, watching them back i can see why i had that reaction as a 15 year old um the 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 way that well for, i should also mention the camera i don't know if you picked up on it but the way the camera is moves around that scene it's really cinematic i felt the way it has these establishing shots of this mining mm. village but it's really grimy and grim and there's some really wonderful pixel art. And I can see why as a 15-year-old, after the the glitziness and the glamour of Final Fantasy IX's opening sequence in that carnival uh, parade in that sort of Italian city-type mm. area, then you go to this where you've got this dingy mining town in, in a mountain in a, in a sort of snowy area. I can see why I felt so, uh, about it. But... Looking at it again tonight with a bit more critical eyes, it's it, considering they did it on a SNES. It looks so so good. Yeah, I it it does look good, and that's one of the things that I remember about it very strongly. Like it, it's visually very mm. uh, accomplished, and and in some ways arresting. And that opening sequence of them sort of marching through the snow. To, to the village is um it has always stuck with me yeah but then the village itself and the monsters which i tried to say in the first half but the the monsters during battles like there's just so much detail mm. I, I said to you at one point when we were playing that you can you can count the pixels you can pick out individual pixels and and yet with the this um very well with this relatively limited um tool set um, of, of a limited color palette and a limited number of of boxes to shade in different colors, um, they've they've done something absolutely astonishing and and rendered these very vivid, very I want to say lifelike, but I mean believable, really. Yeah. Um, people and creatures and the world hangs together. To me, the world hangs together perfectly. Well, I think they with the world hangs together. They they. I felt like the developers Squaresoft were very confident with how they approached the game because that you start off and you can draw in this girl with no name and you're not really sure what's going on or why it's happening and the game doesn't spell it out for you. It lets you fill in the gaps or make your drawing conclusions and I think that's really clever as well. There's, and then there's a sequence about half an hour or so in where this character you've been playing as, the main character, 
um, suddenly something happens and you're no longer in control of her and the game's saying, you know, you thought you knew what was going to happen and no, 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 that's not what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then there's this really wonderful sequence rendered in yellows and, and blacks, which is a, a flashback, but it doesn't say 10 years ago or what yeah. have you. It just, it just happens. And then you're then piecing the pieces. Oh, okay. This must have happened previously because of information I already know. And I think the game's maturity to treat you as a player in that with maturity uh, is is really to be commended. Yeah, um, you pointed me towards an article that you had found during your uh, research, I guess, uh, that sort of detailed some of the um, narrative ins and outs that point that direction as well. Um, the the one that I think particularly seemed to to make an impression on you was the um, Edwin and Sabin. Uh, Edgar arc. and Sabin. What did I say? Edwin. Edgar say, and Sabin. Yeah, yeah, yeah the Edgar and Sabin arc. There's this whole. I, I talked in the first half about how the developers had had set out to create these little character arcs and character beats, and there's a sequence that plays out if you visit Figaro Castle at one point in, in the game with both um, Sabin and Edgar in your party, who are brothers, and it kickstarts this cutscene and. Basically, I'm not going to go into the ins and outs of it, uh, most because I can't remember, but it does this whole thing that what you thought you knew about those characters completely upends it, and it makes you look at both of them in a completely different light. Mm. But it's all done with nuance and inference, and by allowing you as the player to piece together what you already know about these characters. And the way that they, the fact that they did that, the fact they had the confidence to do that on an, an RPG in 1994 is, is absolutely tremendous. Yeah. What, what what I'll do is I'll put the article when we when this comes out. I'll put the article in the in the description so people can, can mm-hmm. have a look at it if they're intrigued to find out more detail. Because maybe people are a bit like me and they've only played the first half hour and first first half of the game, and maybe they thought they know those characters, and this would maybe make you think, no, 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 you don't. Mm. So, yeah, it's it's definitely doing some great things. Um, in a few different areas i had a a slightly interesting well i think it's interesting i i had an interesting um sort of modal shift uh happen while i was playing and i'm i'm quite a talker anyway as you probably know but one of the things that i think i've pieced together while we've been playing this is that because of the nature of the way that i played these games um I sort of enter this mode of um, relaxation that I never really realized that I was entering. Like a hot bath. Sort of, yeah. Kind kind of that. And so I've mentioned before maybe my friend that had his uh, PlayStation that was magic and uh, a stepdad who had a a blockbuster card. Oh, one of those magic PlayStations. mm, my, My friend and I spent a lot of time playing games together and sometimes that was us literally playing games together to player games or whatever sometimes that was us being in the same room and just sharing the controller and handing it off to each other every half an hour or hour or so or, or even just one of us playing a game and one of us being there and watching and enjoying and um and part of that whole process part of that experience was that we would chat we would talk and there are no better games, actually, than 
than JRPGs, or, or maybe, I think specifically actually JRPGs of this era because of the um, battle systems and the way that grinding was it was an intrinsic part of of doing decently well in, in the games. So my shift, my modal shift, was to become sort of quite contemplative and thoughtful, um, and my mind wandered quite a lot while I was playing. And that took me back to being at my friend's house, playing these games together. This was one of the ones that we did play together as well. Um, so that's interesting because I've talked before about not wanting to turn the sound off on games because mm-hmm. I'm scared that I'm going to miss out on a vital aspect of, of the experience. This is quite a meaty, narrative-driven game with, as you've said, quite a nuanced um a nuanced approach to storytelling that you can miss some of the of that nuance maybe if you aren't completely honed in and focused which um, i was doing when you were talking to me or trying to engage yeah, in a conversation so and of, i could not focus on the yeah, game at man. all so i mean the conversation that i was having with myself largely is i i think quite an interesting one but um i can imagine it was driving you a little bit nuts so i apologize for that but well, um, well your point i did say that when i was playing this game i was listening to the hives because i'd got the the yeah. your new favorite band compilation that had the hate to say i told you so etc and i i distinctly remember playing that while doing the battles but but stopping it for the actual development of the story so i was doing exactly interesting just saying okay. that it was something where and final fantasy games have been that for me as well that, that i could listen to music while doing the battles yeah and that was a that was something that went hand in hand because I, i'm someone who listens to the, to the music of the game yeah. and listens to the what, what's going on but during those battles you can almost go on autopilot yeah so i i got out of the first town that fit that village in the in the mountains i got out of there and i instead of making a beeline to the um to the castle to figaro um i went into sort of autopilot mode and I was wandering around this, the open world, getting into battles and working my way through battles to do a bit of grinding. And I think that that was, I can't think that we've, how many is this? We're, we're on episode 158. I can't think of any other game that's put me into that mode of, uh, that given me that, that sort of autopilot thing, hmm. um, where I'm just free to talk. Were like that. Um, number eight. I can't remember if I said this before or not. Number eight. I, I went on this mad quest. I decided to level up every single character level one hundred mm. just because, and that was hours and hours and hours. And I just sit listening to music, just leveling these yeah. characters, just for not necessarily for something to do, but just because I decided that was going to be what I was going to to do. And then Final Fantasy Ten. I, I did lots of bits where I'd, I'd go off from what I was supposed to be doing and just go around grinding because grinding is a, a key part of Final Fantasy. You can't, you can't not grind. But then just sitting again listening to music while, while doing so. It's so strange to me how the the human works because th- this experience, I've had this experience before where I've sort of, it's not regressed at all because I was still me. I mean, that's relate relatable to the well, conversation that I was I, trying to have as well. But I was um, going to use the word regress, but I decided to bite my tongue because... Uh, I don't think regress is the right no. word, to be honest. Like, it's a weird muscle memory. It really is. You, you, you remember the sensations of the moment or, or the, the experience previously. and Your body sort of shifts into it. And I've had it one one time before, and I remember being absolutely thrown by it. And it was when I went 
to meet a friend for coffee. And I hadn't seen this friend since I was about 16. And at the time that I met them, I was about, I was getting on for 30. So it'd been nearly 15 years. <clears throat> and um, I thought that I had done a lot of changing um, between those two points in my life and that I was, um, you know, I, I communicated in a different mode and so on. And I sat down for coffee with this friend and immediately you step almost the mode of, yeah, but yeah. even to like the degree, like the way that I felt like I was moving and the way that I felt like I was talking to them and maybe even the, the, um, the words that I was using, the lexicon that I adopted, mm. it was, it was eerie. It, it, it was so eerie. It's so weird. And this kind of sits alongside that experience because I, I never realized just how relaxed I used to be when I was playing games at my friend's house. Like, I really loved being at my friend's house. We got on really well. Um, it, It's, yeah, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to adequately put across what, what no, has happened. Understand. But it's it's just a really weird sensation, a really interesting yeah. thing as, that I don't think people, comes up along very often. Was it Freud? Oh, I'm probably going to mangle this now. Was it Freud who said about how, was it the, the ego and the superego, now you have all different, there's like different personalities you have for different people. So how I am with... There, three faces sort of thing. There's yeah. the ego, the superego and the id. But the ego and the id and the superego aren't necessarily to do with with what you're describing right i'm so i'm mangled to two different However, psychology we, theories we do so how, have how, like I am, how i masks. am with with friend a is different to friend b and is different to how i am with my parents oh sure yeah absolutely we and have these what, modes we yeah. we have these modes and we we can shift between them um to to suit our audience or or our company or, or however you want to term it but the thing that is particularly interesting is that you can so i was playing this game when i was 13 so that is 20 two years ago and I haven't really delved too deeply into it since then. Like I've, I've turned it on um, and I've played it a little bit for, for, you know, a bit of um, nostalgic feels, but I've never done it with a friend. And I think that's interesting right? because you're on the other end of the microphone and um, my immediate, like the, the mode that I slipped into was this mode of, Let's let's chat. Let's get let's to chat. know each other through arranging conversation. While and, I'm trying um, to understand the struggles that Terra's going through, and and yeah, the the, the nuance of Edgar's yeah. character within the castle that I'm I'm hearing about of gossip from different people who are talking to me. Yeah, it's not even just it's not even just shifting between different audiences. It's not. It's this isn't about like the difference between an adult. Uh, there you go. It's bleeding in. Um, this isn't the difference between talking to my um parents and talking to my friends this is um this is like a just the game just uh, made you switch like that yeah yeah because i can talk i talk to you this is how we are like i do sometimes try and have conversations with you that i don't know i don't know let's not i'm talking about it a lot and i think it's because it's made quite an impression on me <laughs> i i think i've only experienced this Spe very specific thing maybe twice like i've had it a little bit before and i, de I definitely know that my friend that i w was at university with he's had it when he's come to see me and he's mm -hmm. been like slip just slipped back into we, we are together and now that's this is how we are yeah um i but th this is one 
it's quite it's quite a strong and strange experience to have and especially in the way that it manifested tonight so it, it was kind of cool for that but it's not really about the game it's about no, humans well, <laughs> so well i'm gonna i'm seeing this sort of time rattling up um yeah. before I, I move on to the, the last bit then as, as we do um the, the game itself is there anything negative about it at all i in my notes i've got nothing in my cross column at all i i thought it was a, no. a, a pleasure to play yeah yeah just in so many ways um i think i'm massively biased <laughs> i think i think i'm compromised unfortunately and i think one of the things that's compromised me is this notion of just ha- having a happy time um as a teenager with my friend <laughs> As so, I said in the first half, I have nothing but fantastic memories of this game once I got yeah. into it, and this is just reaffirming tonight. It, this this is a really, really, really good game. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I think that there has to be something about the game as well to have, yes. um to sort of put me into that mode in the first place, and and then to be able to take me back there hmm. uh, so vividly now. But yeah, it's it's hard to it is hard. We came into the second half. It, it's hard to encapsulate a game like this in the format that we have. Yes. Um, at the same time, it feels unfair to not try and give it a treatment uh, because it is one. It's such a big game for so many people, and two, it's such a big game. It sounds like for for you and yes. and actually also for me. Um, these were the games that I was playing at the you know, traditionally pivotal moment of, of formulating who I'm going to be for a long, long time, hmm. if not forever. And, and I was playing at the pivotal moments of, it should have been rising with my GCSEs and said I was, <laughs> I was hooked on this. Well, exactly. I mean, that might be a facet of your character. You, um, you chose, you chose pleasure over responsibility. Interestingly. Well, yeah. So, I don't think that's a bad choice. I think maybe it's the right choice, but that's another conversation. We'll have to get Final Fantasy VI on and have it. <laughs> so you mentioned Crystal Chronicles in the in the first half. This yeah. uh, Final Fantasy VI was the last release on a Nintendo console in 1994 mm. until Crystal Chronicles on the GameCube in 2003 because they went yeah. down the uh, the PlayStation exclusive avenue. So I thought it was an they did point. for lots of interesting reasons. Like there was a big falling out between Square mm-hmm. Enix and. And and um and Nintendo. Well, I remember when and Crystal Chronicles was, came out, there was a a big hoo ha. It was a big hoo ha. Exactly. Out on Nintendo console, I never played it because I never had a GameCube. So I what bought was it, it like? for the hoo ha. Well, it is not oh. what you'd like it to be. <laughs> and the hoo ha was wasn't worth it. it. I'm sure it has its fans, but for me, it just wasn't what I was looking for from from a from a Final Fantasy game. Um, because of what I wanted was the more the, the more traditional, you know, if they'd given me Final Fantasy VI in a different way, I'd have been very happy. But I, that's not what Crystal Chronicles is, no. and that's all of those things. So I found out what the um, what the Wii game was. It was called My Life as a King, and it was a Crystal Chronicles yes. game. Yes, but it, I think it had like a a like a town building element mm, to it. Like you did a bit right. of a bit of town building in it as well. And managing the uh, the kingdom that you had, hence the name "My Life Is a King." Um, none of those side projects have really floated my boat ever since. They kind of um, went off to me again. Uh, they kind of went off the boil post Final Fantasy XII, and he, even elements of Final Fantasy XII felt a little bit too 
far removed from what I wanted. Eleven famously was an attempt at a massively multiplayer online RPG, um, trying to capture that market, and I and so I skipped that. Mm-hmm. Um, Thirteen was famous for being sort of walking down straight straight corridors, um, even though it wasn't really that, and even though you know Final Fantasy is kind of that anyway. It's just that they put more curves in their corridors usually. Um, and, and it also had that auto thing. Uh, Final Fantasy 13, I think, was the first time that they had auto battling or a form of auto battling. Right. So you could you could set like a macro um, of right. do this, do this, do this, and then you could have the the game just do repeat that for you, so you didn't have to press the actual buttons. Um, in some ways, quality of life wise, it's it's a very smart thing to do, but also it does kind of expose the the true nature of the battle systems well um hold on to that for when i talk about the pixel remasters okay. in, in a couple of minutes so the playstation one version was what, what we played today and it had the fmv intro which was mm. was very playstation one-y but I, I quite liked it i thought it was quite, quite nice yeah the, the i think it's worth saying though that um the game is presentationally the the version on the snes is just so well done mm. that it doesn't lack for not having those FMVs. I really no, do remember loving having FMVs in those earlier Final Fantasy games when they came to PlayStation, but also they're, they're totally brilliant on the SNES as well. So I think know. the FMV made what happened at the start of the game a little bit more explicit Clear. for me, but I don't, mm. but I don't think had it not been there, I probably still would have, been able to you would have gleaned scrape it. it together possibly yeah um, bigs and it, wedge definitely sort of go over it they talk about her crown and things so yeah yeah uh, they, they did for the playstation one version they did a few other bits uh, such as uh, there's a quick save system did you notice it had was it notes i think it was called so when you're at save points it's it saves to the playstation's ram just a, a little quick quick save, right okay no i didn't notice that that's interesting yeah. Uh, the loading times were reduced. There's also a best jury added, and mm. and some, there was some artwork you can access as well. And the PlayStation One version, unsurprisingly, is what was re-released as a PlayStation One classic in 2011 on the PlayStation Three. Uh, the game was also now. I think for these remas- uh, ports, I'm going to talk about. I think these are ports of the original SNES version as opposed to the PlayStation One version. Um, so it was released on the Game Boy Advance in late 2006, early 2007 worldwide. And they did a few. This was almost like a director's cut version, I suppose. So there were new espers added. Espers are the, the summers, mm. like your, your Guardian Forces or, or whatever you call them, other Final Fantasies. But there were, there were new ones of them added in, as well as new spells and new whole new areas added into the game as well. So the Game Boy Advance is seen as, as almost the, the quintessential version. Um, the SNES version was then, so not the Game Boy Advance version, the original SNES version was released on the Wii Virtual Console in 2011, and it also cropped up on the SNES Classic in 2017. You know those little, mic- yep. those little micro consoles. Um, it also came to Android and iOS and Steam on Android and iOS, and I'm assuming this is the SNES version, but with a few bits added into it. I'm, again, I'm not really sure. The, the Android and iOS versions are both $18. Uh, on Steam, it is currently thirteen pounds. Yeah, this is and the you... Pixel remasters. Yes, so yeah. Steam seventeen pounds, a uh, thirteen pounds. Sorry, and on the Switch, it's fifteen pounds. 
So the Steam version is are the Pixel remasters. And then the thing that's come out on the Switch in the last couple of months or so is a bundling together of the Pixel remasters of Final Fantasies 1 through to 6. So the Pixel remasters, what makes them Pixel remasters, are the there's updated graphics. So it's the same graphics, just crispened up a bit. The, the musical scores are rearranged slightly. The UI is streamlined and you can switch between the the newer version and the classic version a bit like when we've played through the monkey island remasters where you can mm-hmm. click between those two and, and obviously lots of other games as well there is an auto save function um you've mentioned about the battles so in the pixel remaster version you can turn off random encounters completely yeah. and you can also increase the amount of experience points on gill which is gold that you get at the end of those so you can amend the game to to be how you want it to be uh, I know yeah. we talked about that during our Final Fantasy VII episode as well. Mm. Yeah, I think that those are actually worthwhile additions to these I games agree. because because they're so narrative based. Because there's a story there, and a lot of the time, um, I think people not a lot of the time. I don't know how much of the time people are playing these games for the story, but certainly for me, it was very much mm. the story I was interested in. Although I did enjoy some of the sort of strategy and tactics that go into the battles or some of the battles. Um, because they're so sort of story-based, I think having now this pos- this ability to forego some of the more difficult stuff so that you can progress that story and do so in a, in a timely manner, that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the random battles. I've had a couple of times playing it today where I'd be walking along and then a random battle would trigger and like, oh. Like, not mm, that's maybe the wrong noise, but it, it reminded me of the the fact that sometimes they're a bit aggressive that I actually just want to get on with the game rather than be interrupted and have to go through a yeah, battle. Exactly. I, I definitely made use of the of turning off the battles. Um in and, and I also had infinite limit breaks at points during Final Fantasy Seven replay. Right. Um I think that sometimes you do just want that and certainly We've talked in the past. We've talked in the past. I think on on Micah, and certainly you and I have talked this evening while we were playing about the notion of games respecting a player's time. As an adult, there is as an adult, um, as an adult, there is a kind of a need for that to some degree because we just don't. You don't have as much spare time to be able to indulge in a hundred hour RPG. Yeah. So anything that helps you to enjoy those games. Um, without having to put in all of that time because it's not effort it's time yes um is is very much appreciated then the the flip side you can also toggle them so it decreases the amount of experience points in guild you get at the end of the battle if you want to prolong if you maybe if grinding is your thing you you can play with the game to do that but I, i think again that's quite nice that there is an option for you to customize it in in whatever manner you want equally I'm not really sure who's doing that. No, yeah, I, I, I'm sure there are people. Oh, I'm absolutely. sure there are people. I'm not one of them. Um, the Pixel remasters, it's, it's maybe just due diligence to say that there have been some gripes about them. I'll be honest, I don't really know what the gripes are. I think one of them is the, um, the font that they use in game, and I kind of half get that, but I also. <laughs> not really fuss i i kind i do like the chunky 
um pixel pixelated mm. font that is in is in the originals or the playstation version and i think they cleaned that up and made it nice and slick and tidy and and readable uh some people, might argue people like the familiar don't they yeah i i think there is there is a good argument to be made for the pixely font but you know i don't know um beyond that though i'm not really sure what people's gripes are so if you are thinking about getting those maybe just have a little read up and see if those gripes are going to be things that bother you otherwise the game itself and the games around it uh i'd say sort of four five six definitely um are stellar stellar games and well worth playing so go out and fill your boots Lovely. Well, there we go. Final Fantasy VI, uh, a big old thumbs up from us. Uh, thank you very much for listening. If you've enjoyed us, remember to... If you've enjoyed listening, remember to join us on social media. I think I said that wrong. On Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And if you could like, share, subscribe, rate, and review as well, we would be very, very grateful. Yes, please. Thank you for sticking to the end. And we will see you again next week for another episode. Bye. Bye-bye.